Welcome back to the Locks Lounge with your boy, your host, Tim Nicholas. Tonight, I'm excited because we are in Baltimore, Maryland with some amazing men and women who are doing great things in the Baltimore community. It's always good to come home to just see people doing their thing. And I am definitely blessed to be here with three great individuals that are doing their thing for sure. Now, not only that, we got fit moms in the house. <laughs> we got fit dads in the house. So, you know, it should be just a good time as tonight we're going to really dive into some health and wellness topics. We're going to talk through some things about living in the black community, co-parenting. I mean, we, we got a gauntlet for y'all tonight for sure. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to uh, Miss Erica Lewis. How you doing, Miss Erica? Hello there. Hi, guys. How you hey. doing? Happy Tuesday. <laughs> Happy Tuesday to you, too. Now, just a little bit about Miss Erica. She is doing great things. She works for um, a nonprofit organization called Living Classrooms. So we'll get into her background. She, she definitely has been gracious to allow us this amazing space. So thank you again very much, Erica. Of course. Appreciate it. And also, you have um, a um, another nonprofit called Hike to Heal. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really dope. Sure. Yeah. So Hike to Heal is uh, my baby. It's still in infancy stage, but it is a nonprofit that just focuses on healing in nature, which is like I feel like we all could need some healing. So that's dope. That's dope. It's definitely a. Um, I wouldn't even say outside the box thing, but for black people, it probably is a little outside the box, <laughs> but it's mad dope though. So shout out to you with your business and, and your businesses and what you're doing. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so we have another newcomer to the show. Her name is Miss Kathy Robinson. How you doing, Miss Kathy? I'm doing good. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for coming on. No problem. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. So a little bit about Miss Kathy. I'm going to scratch that out. So a little bit about Miss Kathy. She is a school counselor for Baltimore City Public Schools. You're also into fitness very much so. Um, you're also an HBCU and a master's grad. You went to shout out to Morgan State. Yes, Morgan State. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you, and you also graduated from Loyola, correct? Yes, Loyola, okay. yes. Well, ma'am, ma you have done your thing educationally, you know, so shout out to you big time. Thank you. Absolutely. So appreciate y'all coming on as far as the ladies. Mm -hmm. But last but not least, I got a good brother right here. Uh, okay. This guy, <laughs> Mr. Will Moore. What's up, man? How you doing, brother? Man, let me tell you a little bit about Will. Will uh, and I, we grew up in church together. And uh, it's just good to see guys that, you know, kind of came up from under me or from behind me, I say. And just as far as just how he's been conducting himself as a worker, as a father, and he got an upcoming podcast coming up pretty soon too. So, you know, shout out to you, my man. Yes, sir. Well, you know, I'm here for any advice. You know, I'm new to this game. So, you know, but anything I can do to help out, you already know you got my number. Okay. Yes, sir. All right, all right, y'all. So we're gonna just dive right into it. Um, the Locks Lounge is based on, you know, lock professionals, natural hair, also just people in the community pretty much. And um, we all know that barbershops and beauty salons are like the cornerstone of the community. So I'm going to start with the ladies. I'm going to start with you, Kathy. What was your first experience going into the beauty salon as a, as a young lady? Um, I would say definitely getting a relaxer. Getting a relaxer was my first experience going. Um, and I just remember it being an exciting experience at that time. Like at that time, getting a relaxer was like a, a rite of passage. Um, but then, you know, after that, you know, the, the care that comes with it, being in the hair salon for a really long time. And then also 
I'm something that I personally struggled with for a long time was getting my ends clipped. So it was like I did not want my ends clipped. <laughs> I felt like you were cutting my hair off, not realizing that that's going to actually help it, you know, be healthy. Um, so I would say overall, you know, my experiences in the hair salon has been good. Um, but growing up, it was definitely like a rites of passage type thing. I just remember it being very crowded and hot and like all the steam, you know, from all the, the flat irons and hair curlers. So. Yeah, a lot of artillery going on in the That's real dope. Mm-hmm. Definitely love to hear hear first time experiences mm-hmm. for sure. How about you, Miss Erica? What was your experience like? It's not much different, but it mm-hmm. was definitely uh, Easter weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get a perm, but I got a my hair straightened. So I don't know if you guys know anything about that. That's when they put the, the comb the and you gotta hold your ear. Oh, yeah. Oh I just remember me holding my ear and still getting clipped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the back of my ear had a little burn. Uh, the smell, the, the long wait. Um, and I honestly, I, I never had a love for hair salon. Like after that, I just never wanted to go back. It just was never my thing. So your experience was not an enjoyable experience, it sounds like. No, <laughs> I, I think even back when I was like a little kid, I, just hearing the talks about hair and how much pressure it was on like black women to like, keep their hair a certain way. I just was always a rebel. So I'm just like, nope, I don't want to go. <laughs> That's real. That's real. Well, you know, sometimes those experiences, they like, yeah, I'd rather do my hair at home. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I can understand mm-hmm. just, you know, being in, you talking about being in a hot location, just mm-hmm. with all the sisters and the stuff going on. And the heat, chemicals. Chemicals. <laughs> yes. Chemicals. Yeah, seriously. And then, you know, with you, same thing, just like being a rebel and not really enjoying that experience so mm-hmm. it's like that sometimes mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. mr will how about you what was it like going into the barbershop um, first to time? be honest i had it backwards i went to the dude's shop before i went to the barbershop okay because my pops he grew up cutting hair so he cut everybody here in the neighborhood already so he cut his own son hair but i remember getting up when you know he had to work on saturdays calling my mother and my sister to the beauty salon and i kind of took from that like i wound up Eventually, by like 10 years old, I was working in the beauty salon, making a little change on the side. And then my father told me how to cut hair. But then I got to the point where I was just like, I'm about to go to the barbershop. And when I started going, it was just, it was like, you find out everything in the barbershop. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, and then like I said, best of both worlds, because on one side, you hear with the ladies that in the beauty shop, you hear all their drama. The and then it's like you go to the barbershop, you in there with their husbands, and you hear that. <laughs> so that that kind of right there just gave me like some knowledge, and as far as my maturity level, I guess kind of I picked up on it a lot. So I learned my hustle, I learned how to grind all that stuff through like just both experiences, you know. Just to, and you know, as a child, I mean, I was one of the kids that listened to adults really when it came like wisdom lines. So just to hear like both sides, like a female perspective and a male perspective on life kind of gave me like the tools and things I needed in order to you know, grow, grow better. That's what's up, man. You had the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. You was able to go into the beauty shop, hear the ladies mm-hmm. talk, and hear, hear what they expect from the men. And then you hear the stuff from the guy's side, like, man, she ain't shit. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it be like that sometimes. So, mm-hmm. man, that's dope, for real. Man, I like that. All right, so let me ask y'all this question. Um, and it could be anybody, pretty much, right? Do you think that the younger generation takes hold of the barbershop and the beauty salon experience like we did growing up? Um, I think now hair care is so personalized now. Um, like you said, a lot of people are doing their own hair at home. 
watching YouTube, learning what our particular hair needs, and then also, you know, girls aren't getting relaxed like they used to. You know, we're natural. Um, so I would say their perception might be a little bit different because, again, I'm feeling like from my experience with my own daughter, it's very personalized, like a one-on-one situation or maybe it's two clients and that's it. So I'm, I don't think they might have the same the same view. And then also, again, I have braided. It's just so many different factors. I definitely mm-hmm. think salon suites have changed, like, mm-hmm. the atmosphere of, like, what we grew up seeing because, mm-hmm. like, the tea that you get in a salon suite is completely different than you sitting under the dryer and hearing, yes. you know, people talk about their marriage and church the next day mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I, I think also, like, the younger girls, which I find is beautiful, they're not running to firms. No. You know, they're learning how to actually, like, take care of, take care of their hair, mm-hmm. um, watch YouTube and, mm-hmm. you know, save coins and things like that. For me, I go to the barbershop now. Cousin by Taylor Emerson Avenue, I go down there. There's a younger cat that owned the barbershop. My cousin, my personal cousin, he works in there. And they all been like a little bit, like, it's real. And they've been together for like years now. So they just, they more so into like, you know, we starting here, but we gonna build further. So every black young man that comes through the shop, they got a guy in the back that does tattoos now. They got a young lady that comes in and does her hair in another room. So he trying to open up, you know, different suites and stuff, helping people that have talent to do these things giving them a safe place to work. So when other people come in, I, I hear it all the time, like the younger generation come in and they um, ask some questions and stuff like, how do you get this? Oh, this crazy. I've never seen somebody get age or something like this. And you tell them like, how to keep it, how to keep it going, what it takes to even get to this point. So I feel like now it's kind of like, well, back in the day when I used to go to the barbershop, the older guys who just, you know, talking about everyday life, that I feel like now, based off of their conversations, the younger generation, like we picked up on it. So now we in people underneath us to do the same thing for you. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, that's, and that's the that's the difference from back in the day. Like, it was everyday life. Talking about the struggle, the grind, but the hustle. Mm-hmm. And I think now, just from my own personal experience, it's not as the same, in my opinion, because you have, like, a lot of, a lot, a lot of times, barbers are just trying to make money. Right? Trying to just, you're just trying to make the money as opposed to really having a personalized relationship. And I think that's still important. Like you're still in the people business, mm-hmm. so you still got to make sure that you are a conduit to the community. You're still talking to people, who still wanting to know about them. Because at the end of the day, you're building that relationship. Mm-hmm. So I like. I, I think it still has some of an impact, but I do think that even with the the new idea with the salon suites now, mm-hmm. YouTube videos, mm-hmm. those like types of things now, it makes it a little less personalized. Mm-hmm. 2022. Mm-hmm. It changed a lot. It changed a lot. Those booking fees. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Miss Erica, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Crap. Um, You're an editor, right? (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, So, I am a Baltimore native. Uh, I've grown up uh, in Baltimore majority all of my life. My family is from Patterson Park area. Uh, my mom moved out to Pikesville, so I kind of had the opportunity to see both sides of like city life, um, and then I was kind of nurtured in the suburban world. Um, I have a heart for people, um, whether it's like I felt like growing up in church, I used to think that was the only way to serve, um, but now that I've gotten older, I've kind of realized like you can serve in your capacity everywhere you go. So like my heart is for people um, have children. Um, that I absolutely love and adore, and 
I love being outside in nature. I love being a, a vessel for people to heal. Um, a lot of the times when I'm walking outside, it's like therapy for some of my girlfriends. Like we talk more about life outside than we probably do over the phone. So that's a little bit about me. It's dope. I love it. I love it. So, you know, let me just first start off by saying this. I hate hiking. Remind me again. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not that I dislike the idea of hiking. It's nothing like that, right? I just have asthma. So how it makes we can get you like a one miler, you know, like <laughs> lower incline. It doesn't have to a be lower incline. Yes. <laughs> I, I think it's dope to do nature things. Mm-hmm. Definitely to to be out, you know, camping trips, hiking, you know, mountain climbing. That type of stuff is cool. Mm-hmm. I think it's really dope. But um, you know, I would say in my spare time to be doing it, I'd probably rather be hooping. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that what you're doing is bringing people together from a health perspective, right? You're allowing people a safe space to do something different and you're enjoying nature at the same time. And I think that one of the considerable benefits to hiking is that it does, it, it really does boost your morale as you're, as you're, you know, having physical activity, taking that physical activity to another level, being challenged. It's really like really making your body feel better in that aspect. So what are some more considerable benefits that you've learned about since you started hiking? So Kathy and I actually, you joined one of my hikes before. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's a, a major team building activity. Um, like there are a lot of the times that I've gone hiking and met up with strangers, but like once the hike is over, I feel like we all like have this bond. Um, also, I just from a personal perspective, it teaches you that it's possible to just finish. You know, like I'm a start to finish kind of person. So like if I'm looking at it and I know I got three miles left, I'm going to finish the hike. Like mm-hmm. I'm just going to finish. And from a like a spiritual perspective, I feel the closest to God when I'm outside. Mm-hmm. You know, just to kind of like look around and know that like, wow, like look at the trees. You know, like everything around you. Know that you had no doing in making any of it. It's just, it's a beautiful feeling. Yeah, it's real. Mm-hmm. Well, you also threw Kathy's name in this too. It sounds <laughs> like she does some of yes. the same thing. So it's is it similar to that? Yes. Yes, I would definitely say it's very similar. So yes, that was some time ago. Yeah. Yep. A couple so years I, ago. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would say between Erica and another one of my good friends, they kind of introduced me just first, like you know, just the nature trails, and then you know, bring it up a little bit. But for me, I would say the same thing. It it really aided in you know clarity of mind. You know, being outside, bringing breathing in that fresh air, and just like letting everything you know fall off of you. Um, so that's really, you know, why I do it, you know, just to really it's quiet. It's quiet. You can go at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Okay. Y- y'all are convincing me a little bit. So I'm just try. saying, you just haven't been on the right hike. That's mm-hmm. all. Well, you ever went hiking before? Yeah, I went hiking like last time I did, I did like three times, but it was the same trail. Yeah, Cadence Okay. Yeah, I, I enjoyed you it. You loved it, right? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I I think like like when I work out, I like to test myself. So mm-hmm. I think once I accomplish something, I want to do something better. So yeah. next time I go hiking, it's gonna be a longer trail than I used to walk. Mm-hmm. You got two ladies in here that that. I can take you to the Billy Goat Trail. Oh yeah, that's a nice one. It's, mm-hmm. Get your heart moving. Oh, smile. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, it seems like you' about to get set up. <laughs> well, I got a question for you, Erica. Um, there there tends to be like a considerable gap. Mm-hmm. of individuals, preferably African-Americans, that 
would rather do things inside, right? Even if it's going to the gym, even from a physical aspect. Um, why do you think that hiking lacks diversity and inclusion? So I think it's really perception. Um, like I grew up in a in a childhood where my grandfather, like he didn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really know it because all of our activities required something to do with being outside. So it was after he would take us fishing. Um, I learned to play tennis and golf. Um, and these are things that we would do after church. So it was like, I look forward to like my outdoor time because it's like the only thing we had. So like now that I've been outside and I'm in nature, I see more brown and black people. It's just that I feel like the perception of like we don't belong there. You know, I've been on trails where you can kind of see, like if I have a group of 10 black people with me, they're looking like, what are y'all doing out here? You know, Um, I've also seen the perception of um, hearing from black people. Like, are you doing white stuff? You're like, you don't like girl stuff. So I think it's just realizing like, we don't have to just do the typical standard activities that people have like taught us that we have to do. Like we can do, we can be everywhere. You know, why can't we be outside and camp and, fish and swim. I don't know how to swim, though. Um, but we can do it all, you know? Yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, you've been involved with it, but mm-hmm. why do you think it also lacks that diversity and inclusion? Yeah, I, like you said, I think it's perception because I don't know, but I always feel like, well, I belong here, so you know what? You know, so when I go to trails and I will say this, I am starting to see more people of color being outside and just enjoying being outside. COVID could have something to do with it, but I think even before that, I think just seeing the black community getting into health and fitness and yeah. being healthy from the inside out, I, I'm seeing an increase in that. But I, I always kind of felt like, I'm here, you're here, let's be here together, yeah. you know? That's right. <laughs> so outside belongs to everyone. everyone, <laughs> yes. I like that, that's mm-hmm. good, I like that. Well, you both are moms, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and Will's a dad, you know, but I'm, uh, I'm, I want to talk to the moms first really quick, right? Um, according to the National Library of Medicine, when examined by race, uh, we found that depressed non-Hispanic black mothers compared to depressed non-Hispanic white and Hispanic mothers, they had elevated rates of adversities and were less likely to receive any type of services for their moods despite, you know, excuse me, say this last part, my bad. <laughs> Um, they were less likely to receive services for their mood disorder in the past year, right? Um, so how do people of color, you know, when it comes to mothers specifically, really cope with depression and anxiety, um, you know, in today's age? You want to take this one? Um, sure. Um, I would say, I guess you pick the right people, because for me, that's really what I do. Yeah. I work out for my clarity, my mental clarity. Sometimes people ask, like, why do you work out so much? You don't need to do this. You need your body looks fish, your body looks fat. I'm like, well, it's not really just that. Like, you don't understand. Like, when I'm stressed after work or just anything I need to get off my mind, it is a true release for me, you know. And, you know, working out and being outside, it does increase your dopamine, your serotonin, and all of those good, happy chemicals that we really need. So that's really one reason why I do it. It's like, it's like medicine to me. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, some people like to get addicted. I'm not addicted, but I mean, I wouldn't mind being addicted, you know, to working out because it, it really, it is good for your soul. It's good for your mind, you know, it's good for your confidence. You wake up in the morning, you're clear, you have energy. Um, so that's why I do it. And that has helped me, you know, 
when I had felt, you know, in a state of depression or just going through, you know, life's emotions. I, I think if I could jump in, I would say that like women of color, I'm not quite sure if our community actually know what depression is, mm-hmm. you know, actually know like depression, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I meet these people and I can clearly tell from the outside and like, oh, she's depressed. But in this case, you know, it's just she drinks wine every day, you know, or she does happy hour every day or, you know, she's always outside, you know, can never be home with herself. Mm-hmm. So I'm not quite sure if we can actually tackle, you know, those things if we really don't know that they exist in us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do work out for my mental health, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just makes me feel better. That's good. That's good. What are, what are some other things that you do for self-care? So I am big on meditation. Um, so on Thursdays, I, during COVID, I um, really prayed about just having some more women in my life, but not like people my age. I just wanted some older women around me. So on Thursdays, I sit with the older ladies and we meditate. And um, it's not like a ceremony. It's not attached to any religion. Um, but we send out good blessings to the earth, you know, just basically things that you're thankful for. And we say prayers for people who may need things. Um, so meditation has been a, uh, a huge source for me. I love to meditate and just learn to be quiet my mind down some. I like that. That's real. How about you, Kathy? What do you do for self-care? Um, so I'm very busy, like seven days a week. So I have to be very intentional about carving out my time for myself. Um, so one thing I do is the same, you know, have an attitude of gratitude, practice that gratitude. So in the morning, um, when I drop my daughter off to school, then after I drop her off, we always say a prayer in the morning to have a good day, to have a kind spirit, to, you know, walk into our spaces as we should. And I say a prayer for myself and anything that I went through the day before, like, God, please help me to, that's yesterday, you know, mm-hmm. let's move forward. Um, but then outside of that, I would say, just being honest with, you know, those around me, my family, my daughter, that this is what I can do right now, and then I'll I'll get back to you, you know, later. So not taking on too much um, has really helped me and putting up healthy boundaries, but letting them know that if you want the best me, then I need this time for myself. Boundaries is, like, so mm-hmm. vital. Also, like, if I could say one last thing, I have a weekly subscription to a therapist. Okay. I recommend it for everyone. Um, for I love yeah. my therapist. Mm-hmm. It is like, instead of calling my girlfriends or family members, mm-hmm. it's like I have an hour session and we just talk about life. And sometimes he helps me see things from a different perspective. Cause you know, we can be our biggest enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, but therapy, I, I tell all, I tell everyone you need a therapist, you know, it's like a life coach to help you get through stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's good, good stuff, I like that. So you heard it from two great fit moms on, you know, really how to cope with anxiety and depression. Because at some point, you know, those those symptoms that those I'm right now. gosh I'm nervous just go with it I'm doing I'm <laughs> man I'm, this is great all right um, so you know even talking through like anxiety and depression right um, it's really dope that you you recognize even the unseen symptoms of like anxiety and depression just knowing that you know it could be something where a woman is drinking wine or a man is drinking when he comes home things like that and not even knowing that he's he's depressed or he or she's depressed, right? So it's good that you can call those things out and, and kind of recognize it. And also just knowing that boundaries is extremely important for your self-care. A lot of times when we're, we don't have boundaries or have weak boundaries and people just can take advantage of us and 
you know, um, manipulate us as well. So I think that's really important. So, you know, sure. That's the fit dad. So we're going to talk through uh, some things when it comes to even being a father, right? What's, what's one of the most stressful things about being a dad? Um, for me right now, it's just seeing so much going on in the world. It's like, in my head, every time I look at my daughter, I'm just, I'm just thinking, like, am I preparing her the right way? Mm-hmm. Like, am I giving her the tools because, um, am I giving her the tools that's going to help her succeed in life as far as spiritually, physically, mentally, um, those times when daddy not going to be around, but she's going to have a good mindset to be be able to get through that, you know, that situation, whether it's good or bad, you know, because um, it's like things that she might be dealing with when she gets to a certain age is not the same stuff that I had to deal with at that age. So that's what I think of. And also, I never, I always say to myself when I get in the morning, um, on those days when I struggle, like I'm not doing it for me, so and I don't want to fail my daughter. So let me keep going. That's always just me talking to myself sometimes throughout the day. So most of the time, it's just. I just want to see my, my daughter be like we all do, see our kids be better than us. Mm-hmm. And it's just setting that, setting in stone, like, you know, when mommy and daddy teach you, even if we wrong, we apologize in advance, but this is why we did it. So I always, you know, and I, even though my daughter, she's four now, she's understanding a little bit better. I sit and have talks with her about like everyday life. She asks a lot of questions, so she <laughs> want to know. Yeah. So, because uh, I, I know how my dad was, he set me down, he gave me the real. I'm not as raw as he was, but yeah, I sit down and I talk to her, and she nods her head and she asks questions about what I just said, and you know, it's just because every day the world changes. Yeah. Every day, it's crazy, you know, and it's tough to be not only a parent out here today, but to be a kid because the world is changing. It's different from when we was coming up, and certain things you just knew how to conduct yourself as a kid. Now it's just so much confusion out in the world that we got to just really be hyper-vigilant with our kids, but then still be able to answer some of those hard questions and, and things like that. So, you know, shout out to you for what you're doing as a father. Mm-hmm. And you're in the fitness now, too, because you I just seen you lose, like, at least 30, 40 pounds, man. Like, you, man, you look good, brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate <laughs> man, which, so what's the regimen like? Um, at first, it started, like, you know what, I'm going to get the six-pack. I'm going to do a whole bunch of cardio. I'm going to change my whole diet. Mm-hmm. Um, I am type 2 diabetic. Right. Yeah, I'm type 2 diabetic. So um, my family would struggle. They had struggles with that. I lost my dad too. Both my, all my grandparents too. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that really got me into fitness, you know. Losing my last grandparent was my grandfather back in July, from past July. I just, I went into that depression mode, you know. Losing my dad in 2016, lost a, cousin that same year lost that same my dad was October my grandfather was um Christmas Eve of that year so then turning around you know then then doing COVID I lost aunts and uncles then lost my grandmother lost a friend to street violence and buried another friend and then we later my grandfather finished so I just started like mentally shutting down everybody around me and then last year was already a tough year dealing with last year so I just started everyone around me that was loving me I stopped pushing away from me so I was like, I need an outlet. I need an outlet. I know I like playing football, but it's like it's just too many people involved, you know. So I just started going to the gym. Um, like I said, it started off as a cardio, you know, just going and try to lose weight. Started losing weight, but I'm just like, you know what? Let me start lifting. I started lifting, 
next thing you know, I'm on the bench. I'm 275. I'm like, okay, let me keep going then. <laughs> so then I met some other partners at another gym. They're like, won't you just enter a contest? It's amateur. So I went up to the little amateur event in um, Delaware back in like October, I believe. And I placed out of 200, like 82. That's what's up. So I'm like, no, I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with it and keep going. They, you know, then I start learning the sport. So I learned, you know, the bodybuilder side is the side that everybody see. You know, they see the, the rip abs and all that stuff. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to go to the other side. So, <laughs> so now I'm more on the strong man side. You know? But when I go in the gym, I zone out. Yeah. So, like, I know when I first started, um, like I said, I was in the press mode. So it was times where my gym was open 24 hours. I would go at night because, I you know, sometimes I just wanted to go in there and lift and cry. Mm-hmm. You know, and even though to other people, he just sweating and I was crying. There's times when I go in there, like I like to have my music on. I turn on Sunday, Sunday service, zone out and just kill it. And then you know, I just start building, like building a routine. Then I start realizing now, you know, over time, I'm doing two of these. You know, I got to be to work at six. I'm getting up four o'clock in the morning, get off work at two, go to the gym again. You know, and then my girlfriend's I was like, you need to slow down, you need to slow down. But for me, I feel like burning myself out and getting that energy out of me best way I could, you know, I start feeling better. I start wanting to do things more to the point now that it's just a routine now. I'm not doing two of these no more, but, <laughs> yeah. but now I'm like more so all into the heavy lifting. I go mm-hmm. and do about an hour of cardio mm-hmm. and the next we get into it. So that's what's up, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I've seen your transformation over the, uh, you know, over the course of several months and I was like, man, you motivate me to go hard. <laughs> seriously. And when they, and piggyback when they say work, working out outside, I went down to Miami. I did not intend to, but I seen a gym on the beach. I, I wanted to do that so bad. I did it, and that was probably the best workout ever. For real. Yes. Man. I, I'm going to have to check that out on the beach, though. Mm-hmm. I hear Tulum has, like, the same type of thing where or something similar. And to they got, like, like, natural weights down there. Natural weights, mm-hmm. yeah. So y'all want hype, but y'all pick up. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do it, but y'all, I'm going to catch up with y'all. Yeah, I'll catch up with y'all in a bit, you know. But I'll, I think I, I'll try the hiking thing. Next time I come yeah. to Baltimore, I'll try it. Thank you. That's will that work? Yes. Right, cool. So as long as you do it too. <laughs> so all four of us going hiking. Yes. That's what it seemed like. All right, so we're gonna get into Miss Kathy a little bit. Miss Kathy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, okay. Um, I am a educator, so I'm a school counselor. So um, I've been in Baltimore City Schools for, this is coming up on 14 years, I believe. Wow. I know. Um, so I've taught pretty much all grade levels, and then I went into school counseling um, my fifth year um, of being an educator. Um, so I love children. Um, I want to see our youth be everything that they can be. Um, I went that path because at the time when I started, my daughter was very small. Um, and I saw that, and I taught young kids at the time, I taught pre-K and kindergarten, and I saw that we were trying to force the children to grow up too fast. They didn't, they needed, you know, a lot of emotional care. They needed a lot of nurturing that we were just like, no, you have to sit down, you have to, you can't move, you have to write your name in two weeks, you know, mm-hmm. just things that were unrealistic for little kids. Right. Um, and then also I saw you know, some of the parenting at the time. And I'm just like, I don't know if that's the right thing to say to a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the time, I'm young. And I'm like, what is happening here? 
So um, my passion for children and seeing them grow and seeing them be the best versions of themselves and pouring into them. So I give that to my students and I give that to my daughter. So I'm a counselor. Killing it. I, I love people and kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, you definitely seem like it's, it seems like it's the perfect role for you because you're like one of the most friendliest people I know. <laughs> So you de- it definitely fits you just being a people's person mm-hmm. and things like that. So shout out to you for that. Thank you. So let's talk about, you know, co-parenting for a minute. Mm-hmm. I know that you are, you're, is it um, single mother? Um, single-ish mother? Um, I mean, it depends on what you call single. Um, I would say single-ish. 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 <laughs> okay. So single-ish fit mom. Yes. All right. So being with, with co-parenting at least, mm-hmm. right? Um, what are some ways that you can make life easier for the other parent as or, and yourself as you guys strive to keep the, cheap, the children's needs at the root of the relationship? Um, I would say to make it easier, it's just like a meeting of the mind, you know, keeping the child in focus and remembering that we love this child. And I think that, that has been the most helpful thing and making it easy because she's our common goal. Mm-hmm. We want to see her be everything that she can be in life. Um, but outside of that, some practical ways, you know, just being flexible, um, agreeing. Sometimes we might not want to agree. As parents, we had to be on one accord, even in different households. Right. Um, that has definitely helped. Um, and also, from the parent perspective, I would say, you know, forgiving, letting what happened or what didn't happen, letting it go. Because again, we have a child that was created in love at the time. Mm -hmm. So let's keep that there with her. So that has been the most powerful um, aspect of co-parenting for for us. But I would say flexibility, being open, cooperating with one another, agreeing to disagree, and just being on one accord has helped the most. So you're approaching 40 pretty soon, is that correct? Dope, dope. Well, you know, Miss Fit Mom approaching 40, you know, I think that's a really great thing that we were just talking about, you know, how to stay fit. Um, But I want to know from your perspective, you know, how do you stay fit, you know, into your thing while you're approaching your your 40 40 at this time? Um, I'm going to see. Work it out. Just making my schedule. Um, I would say, I don't know, it's something about... It's like every generation, you turn 20, oh, I'm 20, <laughs> you turn 30, and it's like, oh my God, I'm about to be 40. It's like a totally different. High pressure. It's like pressure. But I would say the older I get, the more comfortable, you know, I am with myself. And I would say that, you know, more confident. Um, so for me, it's more just about maintaining my health. Um, so that I am able to be present with my child and to interact with the world, you know, and to really be my best self. You know, sometimes I know we were younger, we thought 40 was old, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not old, what do you mean? Um, so just, you know, maintaining myself for myself, you know, so like as you mentioned, you know, like the different stages of working out, first you start with cardio, then you go, you, know, you find what works for you, you know, and so for me, 
definitely weightlifting. I love lifting too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm so glad, like now, um, with the, I guess you want to call it the new standards or whatever you want to call it. I'm so glad, like, being skinny is not the thing anymore. Because now it's like, you know, you can have a body and mm-hmm. it looks good and it's natural and it's kind of no fix, you know? So it's so weird. It's like, why? Close, like, at the point, like, now I finally settled into my body. It's like weird, you know? But that conversation will change. So, what are some things that you do in the gym as far as, like, chest day mixed in with some supersets like what what is your uh, regimen look like so i do have a trainer that i work with and he teaches me lots of things um but when i go on my own i do i start off with cardio i do about 20 minutes of cardio it depends on sometimes i do it first sometimes i do it after okay. um but yeah so i focus it um a lot on core i do a lot of core work um then i have my leg day um squats weighted squats it's so many ways to do squats just look at the videos <laughs> um, I do my arms and some days I do like a whole body day um, you know counting your reps so um, yeah I focus it on different areas that I want to you know improve on but ultimately whole body is where you can wake up so um, what about like meal preps do you, are you involved in meal prepping or do you just is there like a, a, any type of health conscious things that you eat um, so I'm a very simple eater very very simple so for me i i do meal preps when i have time to do meal preps but mostly um again very simple i have like a bag, bag of salads it's a good parent like to take all the stuffing like the cabbage and everything <laughs> from wegmans it's from wegmans <laughs> you know portable add my vegetables and like really really simple so my taste palette is not like one i have to be so creative with it um but i try to make sure of course you're getting the protein your vegetables, your fruits, just kind of really make it down. I don't leave anything really out of my diet. Um, and then I also, you know, allow, you know, times for things that, you know, like chicken and cake and things like that because I feel they live life, you know. That's, it's fries for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, yeah. I just make sure it's healthy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I love how you said, you know, meal prep when you can because mm-hmm. You said you're busy seven days a week, mm-hmm. so meal prepping is probably the last thing you're mm-hmm. thinking about, but mm-hmm. still being able to keep in your proteins, your vegetables, and mm-hmm. even your snacks, the cakes, and things like mm-hmm. that. Like, we're not competing for anything. Right. We're just having a good time trying to just build our body up, continue to build it up. So mm-hmm. that's a good good regimen. I like that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you, Will, what do you, uh, how do you meal prep or do you meal prep or anything like well, that? Well, at first I started having shoes like the salad. The more the heavier I lift, the hungry I get. Yeah. And with me, like with my new job, like um, I'm supervising over a certain region, so I'm on call all the time. Okay. So it's gonna be on times when I'm not gonna have a chance, you know, on a Sunday, make sure I have those for a week. So most of the time, but my diet is always the same. It's a lot of protein. Um, I do look at a little bit of fruit here and there, but I like vegetables. Like I was gonna do that. Just love vegetables. So I can eat like steamed vegetables with a slice of salmon. Or I can eat steamed vegetables with some fish or something like that. I'm not too big on fry. I think the best thing in life that was created was an air fryer. That is my that is my best friend. Like, but I found that I didn't have to go and I know how to cook, but just standing over grease and making a mess. I'm like, yeah. Then I realized how much um, healthier it was. Like, so that that helps a lot. But most of the time, it's seafood and vegetables for me. In the morning, I might eat like five eggs, five, five, or eight whites, depending on how I'm lifting. 
And then I, like my snack the other day, to be honest, was corn and bean butter. Out the jar. That's how I get that. So it's not too bad. And then also being diabetic, but it's been helping as far as like keeping my levels and stuff. I never even a kid been a big snacker. I just have, I'm a sucker for key lime pie. But that's something you gotta purposely go out your way and get. So really, the only time I get that is if I'm in the grocery store just having a seed or something. But so you know, as far as my diabetes and stuff, all that's been under control. So I just at this point, I don't want to like mess up with the thing. So like that, man. Last but not least, Sarah, what are you doing to stay fit? So uh, working out, um, I work out six days a week. I, I do the morning shift, so I'll go to the gym by like 5.30 in the morning. I have three-year-old twins, so I have to do this while they're asleep. Then I come back, I shower, get myself dressed, get them ready, and I go. I function well on routine. So for me, Sundays is like my prep for the week. I meal prep. At least if I can get three meals, because I'm not going to like go hard and just do like everything, but I get like three good meals done. That lightens the load for me. Like when I'm coming home and I'm like, okay, that's one less thing I have to do. So that helps me. But for the weekend, it's definitely brunch. Like I, I don't even live by schedule. I'm eating waffles and chicken and fries. <laughs> but I'm good throughout the week though. <laughs> so you guys all have a good, different type of palate going on. Like it, I had a salad before I got here, and it was like the best salad ever. I love eating salad for whatever reason. Salad is good. It depends on where you get it from. I was about to ask you. Man, have y'all been to the spot in Columbia Mall where they it's like right by the food court, and it's on the end, right where the entrance is, and it's I'm really talking about the synagogue place. Yes. But you got to like sweets. You talking about the synagogue? It's not a synagogue, but they be looking right at that because it's like an L shape. But you see that first. Yeah. I know that. I eat a lot. Sometimes I get wraps from them. Yeah, we got good wraps. That was like nostalgic being there today and just getting uh, getting a salad in there. But I'm I'm a sucker for sweets. Any of my friends that know me know me that I love like sour patch kids or sour gummy worms. I like tart sweets. Yeah, I, I will literally sift through a big bag and like record it. So I need I need to chill out. <laughs> I know, right? The sugar rush is real. <laughs> so I want to touch on something a little serious though, um, and it's based on uh, something that's really important that we're talking about at home when it comes to mental health and like you. But it's mostly around transgenerational trauma. Um, transgenerational trauma refers to a type of trauma that does not end the individual. Instead, it lingers and gnaws through one generation to the next. So families with a history of unresolved trauma, depression, anxiety, and addiction, it may pass, you know, from you know, one person to the next, the child, the grandchildren. And what we do is we have these maladaptive coping strategies and disruptive views of life onto future generations. Um, in this way, one can repeat the same patterns and attitudes of former generations, regardless of if they're healthy or if they're not healthy. So transgenerational trauma isn't something that can be easily pinpointed. It's often covert, it's undefined, it's subtle, and it surfaces through family patterns and forms of hypervigilance, mistrust, um, and it really hits at self-esteem in a big way. Right? So Kathy, I'm going to start with you. 
time, but what are some things that you've seen in maybe your own family to where transgenerational trauma has been passed down from one generation to the next? Um, in my family, it would definitely be very common in the black community when you have, well, you know what? Divorce. Mm-hmm. I think divorce. Now, I've never been married, um, but my parents were married, but seeing them be, get divorced, then my mother became a single parent. And I've seen that with pretty much every one of my family. So we have a strong presence of women. Um, and our men, they're not pushed to the side. They're just not It's like they internalize what has happened, and then they, they were not present um, in our lives the way that they could have been. And not dominant. Not dominant. Dominant, yes. But when I mean by present, I mean more so like um, emotionally present. Financially, stability wise, yes. But emotionally and building that connection, no. Um, so that's where I've seen it manifest in my family, not just with my mother, but with like, my cousins. Yeah, uh, divorce is a huge transgenerational trauma I mean, that gets passed down, you know, from one one generation to the next. Uh, I've seen both of my parents get divorced, married, and, and that passed down to me because I've been divorced as well. And I think what it stems from is it stems from the lack of knowledge, number one. Um, and then the, the trauma comes when you see these negative, toxic behaviors and you think that those so, and, and then you have to think that there's there's a scientific situation that's going on as well because your brain now, your brain doesn't even function from a normal, you know, a, a normal mode of nothing more than survival. So now we have to figure out how to how to break the cycle but also deal with the, the scientific aspect, the emotional aspect, the, the physical aspect, these things that ailment us all the time. So, and divorce is one of the hardest things that a person can you Erica? So I was thinking, I was listening, but I was thinking, and I would say for my family, um, my dad's side is completely different than my mom's side of the family, and I didn't quite realize that until I got older. So like my dad's side of the family, there is a strong male presence. Um, Like they're actually in the kitchen. They're very nurturing men. Like they greet you with hugs and compliments, and they're at the table when we're talking, and they're very pro-family. Um, however, that's not the side of the family that I was submerged in. I was submerged in uh, my parents' background story. They met when they were seven, um, had me at 16, um, but they were so young. They never ended up together. Um, so the family that I grew up with mainly was my mom's side of the family, which is hyper-independent. Um, the men were around, but they didn't have a strong presence. So I don't, I don't think it was until I got older that I had like a high appreciation for my dad's side of the family and the men um, because of how compassionate they are. Um, I feel like they, um, that is the trauma though, when you're growing up with just one side of the story. You don't get the opportunity to really um, understand men and really understand the different sides of men and have conversations with them. So if you're really submerged with just one side of the story, subconsciously, you know, you don't really have a blueprint on what to date, who to marry, you know, who to be with. And I feel like for a lot of women, um, including myself and others, when you don't have the blueprint, you may 
subconscious mistakes, you know, but when you have really like the conversations with the men that you need in your life, you get to hear the stories and you understand, you know, who you're after a lot more. And sometimes we get like, so sometimes we get like, like you said, two sides of the story. So we might see some of the good things, but some of those other things are absent. Yeah. You know, like for me personally, like stability wise, you know, career wise, educationally, my father had it down. It was like this, 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 and this. But the connecting piece, the piece that has always been missing for me. And it's something I had to go actively go after as of when I became an adult, like, oh dad, I think you want me today. I'm here, you know, I'm gonna give you some dinner, you know, I had to really build that relationship. Intimacy. With members like that, like, mm-hmm. that you put yourself out there, you know, vulnerability wise to know what it, how is this gonna go, this may or may not go in that way. So it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there for what you're doing. You know, because sometimes I feel as though our parents should be the ones that should be doing some of these things, but it they did the best they could with what they had, right? Yeah. And that's the one thing that we have to teach them when we think about the things that we're lacking from them. I think we're the generation that knows better. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. like we're the generation that's like actively trying to heal. Like we're talking about things like hence today. Mm-hmm. So like when you have that much awareness, like it's it's our duty you know, to kind of reach back and grab them. Although I think in our mind, like, they should be right here reaching for us. Right. But sometimes we have to reach back and grab them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, so how about you? What are some, you know, some traumas that you might have faced, you know, even family-wise? For me, um, like, I've always had men in my life. But the downside of that is they had traumas. Mm-hmm. So it was like they generation curse like their fathers or the two little fathers because when they became so as a me and I got an older cousin and he had a brother um, we dealt with the pain of that like we dealt with the pain of having fathers who their main concept of being husbands and fathers was just to provide as far as getting to know who their kids were getting to understand who their wife was who they were married to the rules and regulations of being married and stuff like that like they universally I feel like I had to grow up a lot faster because of the things I heard and experienced as a kid in the household. Um, my father, and when I was younger, I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand why there was so much tension between me and him. I'm like, we had the same name. You made me, like, you know, why, why am I getting treated like this? Even as when I started um, getting recruited in high school as, a, as an athlete, like, I felt like that was probably the closest time when you started to realize you Somebody, somebody outside of him wanted to experience who I was. And then uh, it was one time a recruiter was talking to him and asking him questions about me. He couldn't really answer. You know, he was looking for my mother for assistance. And that right there really got to him. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be that type of person. You know, I, I want to be able to know, like, on the back, without even actually thinking, like, questions about my child, I want to know. Even if it's something I feel like they hide, I'm just going to take the guess. So um, just growing up and seeing uncles and my father and even my grandfather seeing their relationship was always strange. And it seemed like every time the relationship got good, someone left. Like my father and his father got real, real close. Me and my father got real, real close, but my father was gone. And you know, after my father left, I got real, real close to my grandfather and he was gone. You know, same day with uncles and stuff like that. I had one uncle, two uncles left. And you know, and I'm close to them, but at the same time, I think they started the trend of breaking that curse dealing with their kids. You know, I have one uncle who has like, he has four kids, all my little cousins, and 
you know, they are all adults too, but I can tell, like, even to this day, like, he's on. And I think for him, it's clicking, like, you know, basically, he's the last one left, you know, as far as, like, being on my dad's side. Um, and then my uncle on my mother's side, he's raising his son by himself. He's an older kid, but he's by himself raising a six-year-old, eight-year-old. So, I mean, he's breaking that curse. So, for me, personally, and my older cousin, we was like, we had our kids, we're not doing this. Like, you know, we, we can't. We can't be so. We've had to actually have conversations. It was at times when we felt like our fathers were living through us. Like not too long ago, like I, I had to sit down with my cousin. Like I'm making the same mistakes my father did. You know, not 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 realizing what type of female I want in my life and just being stable. You know, I'm getting into that mindset where all I want to do is work and make sure my mother got place on the table. But am I actually taking the time out to realize? You know, what do I have in front of me? What's at stake? So I had to fix that part of me. And that's, that comes with a lot of black men. We don't want to fix ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like we want we want the world to baby us and baby and just accept us for who we are. At the same time, we gotta realize we hurt the people around us. Like I never I never looked at it through that way. But then when I started seeing people like my mother, my sister avoiding or giving down to my, my girlfriend at the time, didn't know what to say to me and stuff at the time and the other family members like don't invite him, you know, he's a hot head and stuff like that. And for me, I'm seeing it like y'all know I'm dealing with hurt and pain right now. But to them, it's like you need to open up to us. So I went and got therapy. You know, I went and had. I never thought for an hour and a half I could sit and talk to somebody like that. They don't even know. And so when I started doing that, start opening up more. I started realizing like I'm just basically I said I was gonna break the cycle, but really I'm doing the same thing over and over again. Like I was that I was that child not knowing how to approach my dad about certain situations because I didn't know how he was going to react to it. You know, I was that child coming into a household where you know it was just a big argument because mommy over here, daddy over there, they ain't talked a couple days. You know why your mother crying. You know what your father done did. So now you thinking, you thinking, oh, I got to be a man in the house now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and your father man crying because now you're taking that from your mother. So I was just like, you know, stuff like that can be trauma. So even now when I had situations as far as relationships, Every time I would say something like that, I ran. I was like, I didn't want to do that. You know, I, I didn't want to put my daughter in a certain predicament, so I ran. You know, that's it. And I, maybe that wasn't the best idea thing to do, but at the same time, my trauma, my childhood, that's what they didn't quit because there's been moments when I was a teenager and I look at my mother like, why don't I get a divorce? You know, right. my mother was the type of person, I took a vow on the God, like, I'm going to live through that. You know, when she did, my father died in her arms. So she was just there all the way to the end. Same thing with my aunts who, who, who lost her, like I, her husband got killed. She was there all the way to the end of all that. And I'm like, I don't ever want to put a female in that predicament where I done put her through so much through the marriage and she stuck by my side the whole time, all the way to the end. Now she left hanging, hanging you know? So I was like, we gotta do something better. So me and my cousin, we talk, I go to therapy. I, I, sometimes I just gotta go outside and take a walk, you know? And even I might do out my prayers and stuff. I ask God to send me, send me like some guidance, like send me like some some better role models and stuff. Even people, is I'm not a personal relationship. Like I stick to myself, but you know, send me somebody that I can just look towards. Like, you know what? I know I'm doing kind of doing something with you, so I'm gonna keep going. But that, that's the thing. You know, that was refreshing. Yeah, that's why. So I tell some guys that we need to protect them in our life. 
between a mentor or somebody that's willing to be there to show us the real police officer that helps students. You need somebody that's walking alongside you, somebody that's on that same level. That way y'all can kind of relate, be able to bounce things off of each other and be there for one another. And then you need somebody that you're looking behind that you can pull with you as a mentee. So somebody that's looking up at you. And it, what it does for all three of those type of individuals is that it gives us motivation to keep being better each and every day. Not perfect, but understanding that it's a process that we're going through life every day. We're really trying to break the cycle. And to break the cycle with us means that we're going to have to go through a little bit more, a little bit more things because of the pain and, and the things that's been so deep into that trauma. So it is important for us to go through those things and to get therapy in order to then talk about those things and go to the people that might have hurt us or wronged us and, and try to resolve those issues that's what you know how to do. So I applaud all of y'all for really having all of those things and, and really taking those steps. Um, you know, I just a little bit of background about me. You know, my parents divorced when I was sixth grade, and my dad was, I had his name, just like Will, you had your dad's name, and I just never understood why my dad hated me so much, but felt like he hated me, because it seemed as though I was closer to my mom, and I had a unique personality, so I was able to connect with all kinds of people, I was more of a people person then. That I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm still in, but this pandemic has turned my social anxiety up a notch like crazy. But you know, I was able to just always connect with people, and I felt as though my father just disliked the fact that people liked me. Mm-hmm. And so you know, the abuse would come in, the physical abuse, the, the gaslighting, the, all these type of negative things that you know that a child would go through, and that creates trauma, right? And so I did the same thing. I would always say, I don't want to be like my father, I wanted to be like my father. But the problem was, was that because I had so much unresolved trauma, the same things that he was doing, I, I would find myself doing, you know, and it would be, it would even be situations where, even from a biblical aspect, where it's like, where I want to do good, evil is present right there. So you got a decision to make. And when you got trauma right there, it's harder to make the good decision and the better decision based off of what's, what subconsciously we are accustomed I just think it, it takes a lot of courage for all of us. You know, we all in the same boat in some way, shape, or form, trying to break generational curses. So I, I, I really applaud everybody for that. Um, one more question I have for you, Kathy, is how do we crush transgenerational trauma to create like a brighter future for our kids? So um, going back to the conversation about the divorce, I would say for my child. I emphasize the relationship that she has with her father um, because I want her to have that strong relationship. Now, granted, they're two different people, um, but you know, I reinforce to her the love he has for her, how she should be as a daughter, and you know, and what he does for her. So I just really try to highlight that, and I remind her how blessed she is, and I, um, you know, just. just Give her that sense of, you know, being grateful, um, but also playing her. I'm not, I'm not gonna say playing her role as a daughter, but um, just being in that space and allowing that love to really flow through her. Um, so I would say, really showing respect for him coming from me, you know, and that really helps. So that way, there's no wedge that's 
ground between spot and terrain. I was seeing something on Instagram that was circulating through, and it was a woman on a podcast, and she says that she would she would not reach out to her baby father under any circumstance. Like even if he cut off her right arm, she not she not going to hit him up for anything. And I feel as though that's such a such a bad thing to do. Mm-hmm. You creating another mm-hmm. another cycle. Because while you under you want your child to be independent, but you still want them to have that healthy relationship with their father, seeing that mommy needs help, so I can call daddy, and daddy might be right there to help. You know what I'm saying? So why do we do that? I was gonna say like the level of I saw that same podcast and it had so many issues with that. Um, the level of barriers that women and men set themselves up for when relationships end are just so stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when there are children involved. Um, this this hyper-independence, like, proving, like, I don't need nobody to help me take care of my kid. It's just, like, that's never been me. Like, help me, please. <laughs> please, please help me. Yeah, yeah. I need help with this child. Please. Um, <laughs> and I think it, it has, like, when we do these things, it sets up a disservice to the child mm-hmm. because it creates this theme that superhero mom did it all, and like this is what I should be expecting mm-hmm. of women, and that it's just like it's one-sided. It's, it's not true. And to go back to what you said, um, my daughter and I, we, her father and I, I, I think I could say we we had a shaky intro co-parenting, um, but when the light bulb went off in my head, and I taught myself that like this is for her, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I will be uncomfortable for her. I will be around him when I don't want to for her. Mm-hmm. You know, I will call for her I will ask for help for her because it's for her mm-hmm. you know and I'm not going to like put myself in predicaments to struggle um, when I don't have to yeah. when I know that he's available mm-hmm. and I need her to see that it took two of us to raise you you know I didn't do this all of myself so I don't know why we do that but it, it is uh, it's sad mm-hmm. um, for people to sign up mm-hmm. to struggle yeah. Yeah, I'm not at all mm-hmm. help me <laughs> hashtag And it's also like, you know, when you're with him, you know, modeling to our children. This is how you interact, yes. you know. You are our dream. This is what we want. You yeah. know, you're our light. So um, just modeling that respect and the communication. And sometimes I might say, well, we want you want to do this? Ask your father. You know, he doesn't live in our house, but still ask your father. What does he think? And we have like a, a collaborative conversation to help her make decisions. Um, and then also showing her to, you know, lean on him, mm-hmm. you know, I know, I mean, I still believe in, you know, the role of a man and I want her to know that, you know, so you lean on your father, you need that, you ask your dad, I'm, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I can, but I don't want to. I think it also you know? goes back to something Will said um, earlier about, like, passing down trauma because, like, what I find in some cases when I'm looking at young women and I try my best to like talk with them, like the relationship ended. Okay, grieve that part. But there are, there's still something else that's happening, which is the child. And I think what happens in some cases, men and women, uh, when they don't grieve the relationship ending, there's like bitterness, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I don't even want to be around her. You know, I don't want to be around him. You know, F her, I'm not calling. You know, now the person says like, they're your baby mom. Mm-hmm. 
and they get this treatment but it's like at the end of the day like this is a the person who like gave you this child that you love and when we don't grieve and process um the children feel it you know and that's the disproportionate part so the moral of the story is heal yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. heal that's the biggest thing let's let's start having conversations amongst one another if you can't afford mental health services you know find conduits that you know people who have experienced certain things and they can be able to walk alongside like and do life with you yeah you know you got to have somebody that's kind of being a bridge for you so i think healing is is definitely has been the theme mm-hmm. for sure you know amongst us you know and, and we all still work in progress in our ways but that's the beautiful thing about life you can be able to see where you were allow god to groom you and, and mold you and shape you get on to another level and then there's more challenges in that next level and then you got to be able to navigate through it find clarity find peace through that so y'all doing it up y'all all the real deal <laughs> that's the biggest thing that i definitely have taken from y'all so appreciate that for sure all right so we're going to jump into it um we're going to jump into in the chair so just so y'all know in the chair is a really dope part about the show it's like our version of the hot seat but with a little shot flavor to it in the chair allows us to learn a little bit about our guests and have a little fun at the same time. So I'll pose a couple of questions to our guests individually, and they must answer them without explanation and pretty much within 30 to 45 seconds. Okay. So I'm going to let y'all get at it. All right. So I'm going to down. Tell Kathy she can't read the questions. Okay. You cannot ask. She cheated. look at the questions now. All right. All right, so first up in the chair is Kathy. Okay. Are right, you ready? Okay. Idris Elba or Method Man? Method Man. <laughs> okay. Yes. What is something that makes you uncomfortable? The first thing that comes to your mind. Um, I'm really shy. You're really shy? I'm very bashful. Um, I don't like a lot of attention. Okay. All right, so she's shy. <laughs> okay. We're going to get back to that. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite hobby right now? Working out. Working out? Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you rather go to a concert or a comedy show? Mm-hmm. I can't be both. Nope. <laughs> um, I don't miss the concerts right now. Concerts, okay. <laughs> what is something that men say that makes women angry? How old are you? How old are you? Mm-hmm. Don't ask that. <laughs> oh, how much do you weigh? How much do you I weigh? I get that one a lot. What? Kathy, how yeah. much do you weigh? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, how old are you? It's kind of been a compliment here lately because I get that a lot. Okay. Yeah. So, so how much do you weigh? How much do I weigh? Yeah. Perfect. Way too. All right. Um, skydiving. Sky. Uh, skydiving or scuba diving? I would say skydiving. Skydiving. Skydiving, if I had to choose. Okay. All right, here's a good one. Your man in a suit or gray sweatpants? Gray sweatpants. <laughs> All day. It's a gray All right, last but not least, what is your love language? My love language, um, definitely quality time. Okay. And uh, physical touch. Physical touch. So quality time and physical touch. QT and PT. <laughs> <Got you. laughs> Thank you, Kathy. Appreciate that. 
All right. Miss Erica, you're up next. All right. Method Man or Idris Elba? I'm Idris. Idris. Team Idris out here. Team Idris. What is something that makes you uncomfortable? Uh, being lied to. Okay. What's your favorite hobby right now? I would say writing. Writing? Yeah. Okay. Would you rather go to a concert or a comedy show? This is so hard. I feel I'm always down for a good laugh, though. So I'll go for the comedy show. Comedy show? Okay. Skydiving or scuba diving? Skydiving. What's something that men say that make women angry? Uh, um, that's all you? Like talking about body parts. Like, <laughs> yes. Like, this is not a BBL. <laughs> um, your man in a suit or gray sweatpants? I like a good suit. A suit? Okay. Yes. Okay. And what's your favorite love language? Or what is your love language? So I'm quality times uh, well and words of affirmation. Quality time and words of affirmation. Okay. I like it. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Erica. Would it be Will? Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Yes, Miss Will. Mr. Will. Excuse me. <laughs> Mr. Will. All right. Um, Chloe or Holly? Sex. Chloe. Chloe? Okay. What's something that makes you uncomfortable? Um, clutterness. I do not like junk. I need mean, stuff to be organized. I can't think of clutter. Can't think of clutter. What's your favorite hobby right now? Um, what do I do the most? Cigars. Cigars. Mm-hmm. Okay, cigar bar, all right. Would you rather go to a concert or a comedy show? Comedy. Comedy? Okay. What is one thing that women say that make men angry? I don't know about, well, for me, I hate when a female, first thing she says is, oh, you must have a lot of leaders. I do not like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Assuming. Especially when you're trying to be the max. Don't worry about what I'm trying to be the max. Don't worry about what I got. That's what you see. I'm going to make the cut. That's how I do. Oh. Yeah. Then she gets off the roster. That's the quickest way. Quickest way. Okay. Um, Skydiving or scuba diving? I've done scuba diving. Like an hour offshore, Key West. Scuba? I'm going to go skydiving. Go skydiving. Okay. All right, your woman in boy shorts or sundress? Mm. Mm. I'll say boy shorts because she had a sundress, she outside the house. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. (laughs) What's your love language? I know I like physical touch. I don't know if it's a love. I like to show off my love. If I feel like I got something special or I show the world what she is. Okay. Whatever that might fall under. Physical touch, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. All right. All right. Well, appreciate getting to know y'all a little bit better. That was, that was dope. All right. Well, before we go, um, you know, here at the Lost Lounge, we are always living to overcome cultural stereotypes. So, you know, real briefly, would there be what would be one cultural stereotype that you have probably noticed that you would want to overcome? I'll start with you, Kelly. Um, definitely that, that black people 
daughter that I had at the club um, that black women should be unhealthy, that we should be, you know, out of shape. Uh, to be honest, it's okay to love. It's okay to love one another. You know, it's not. There's not always that tension between us. Like even if we agree or disagree, but at the end of the day, we still got each other. Because sometimes that's just all it comes down to. You know, just a talk or just a, you know, just a how by. Because I realize in a lot of situations, it just needs miscommunication, yeah. and that's just stopping the love. So I think I'm learning just from like listening to all of us is like it's okay to do things different. You know, even if we haven't seen it this way before, it's okay to be the first. You know, the first to talk about therapy, the first to be transparent with your children, the first to talk about forgiveness. Like it's okay to just be different than what we saw growing up. Yeah, I think those are some good cultural stereotypes that we definitely are overcoming, we're getting better at. And we see it more on social media all the time. You know, there are so many success stories of fam- black families staying together. We'll see a lot of black families overcoming different things when it comes to how they parent their children. Like we're, we've definitely come a long way. You know, so that's a, that's a good thing we can see. So um, real quick, you know, I wanted to make sure that the viewers know and our audience knows where they could uh, find you guys at. So, um, you know, we're going to do the Twitter handles and all those things. So I'm going to go ahead and start with you, Erica. Where can, where can everybody find you at? Uh, they can find me on Hike to Heal on Instagram. So it's Hike, H-I-K-E, the number two, and then Heal. Hike to Heal via Instagram. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, Miss Erica. How about you, Miss Kathy, the next lady? Um, well, I have Instagram. It's KitKatBrat, K-I-T-T-B-R-A-T-T. Brett. <laughs> it can't Brett. Um, and then also I have another Instagram page. It's called Brickhouse Fitness. Um, I'm not, I can't remember the underscore or all that, but if you type it in. Perfect. Thank you, Ms. Kathy. Last but not least, my boy Will. Um, find me on IG. I'm on there most of the time. Um, it's my middle name, Miles. M-I-L-E-S. Middle number three. R-D. Sir, appreciate you, Mr. Will. All right. Well, that's where you can find all of our great guests tonight um, on Instagram and and their handles. So definitely look them up for more information, being able to connect with them um, just on Instagram and things like that. So thank you again very much for joining us here at the Lodge Lounge with your boy and your host, Tim Nicholas. Please make sure that you like, share, and follow the Lodge Lounge podcast on IG, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, where we are living to overcome cultural stereotypes. Be blessed. Have a good night.